0: You're listening to the Light for Living Podcast, featuring the sermons of Emmanuel Baptist Church in El Dorado, Arkansas, where Dr. Clark Whitney serves as senior pastor. Join us for verse-by-verse messages through the life-changing word of God. Along the way, we'll also feature devotional thoughts, Bible studies, and interviews, all designed to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, good morning. If you have a Bible, I invite you to take it out and turn to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Just find Psalm and go to the right, and you'll be there in just a sec. We're continuing our series today, Traits of the Greats, 10 Essentials for a Life that Makes a Difference. And today, the little symbol that we have with each message, today's symbol is the cord, the cord. And we have a little cord that we want to give you back in the back. If I can find my cord, I'll show you. Got to dig around in my pocket. But there's some on the back in the Welcome Center, and it's just a little piece of cord that we'll give to you. It'll make a little bit more sense in a moment. I want uh, just you to think about what these pictures have in common. First of all is Lucy and Ethel. Lucy and Ethel. They'll be here in a minute. They're eating chocolate. Who could forget that episode? How about Andy and Barney? Somebody said amen. Oh my goodness. They don't make them like that anymore. How about Gilligan and Skipper? One of the great classics. You see, we're moving from one generation to another gradually, okay? How about this? These ladies were a mess. Somebody needs to wash Sophia's mouth out with soap. How about uh, Buzz and Woody? That's popular around my house. Or Mike Wazowski and Scully. Yeah, Sully. I added a C in there. What do these have in common? Besides making us laugh till our sides hurt, they have an uncommon friendship. A real, true friendship. And that's what we're talking about today. The big deal about friendship. The title of the message is The Cord. Your friends will either make you or they will break you. They'll either make you or they'll break you. Working with teenagers for about 10 years, I saw over and over and over again, you become like who you hang out with. And if you hang out with the wrong crowd and you have the wrong friends, the wrong stuff will come into your life. But you ha- if you have friends that are, are positive, that love Jesus, that are helping you grow as a person and as a follower of him, then that's going to make a difference. Your friends will make you or break you. The great boxing legend Muhammad Ali said, friendship is the hardest thing in the world to explain. It's not really something that you learn at school. But if you haven't learned the meaning of friendship, you haven't really learned anything. Jim Rohn, one of the greatest motivational speakers he said, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I don't know if that's true or not, but the Bible does say that friends are a really big deal. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, we get some wisdom from the wisest man who ever lived. Not only was he extremely wealthy, King Solomon had more wisdom than anyone else who ever lived. And Ecclesiastes is part of his writing down the wisdom that God gave him. And he has a few things to say about friendship and relationships in these verses. The chord this morning, it represents your first blank the importance of friends. The importance of friends. And that's exactly what the Bible says. If you got it in Ecclesiastes four, would you say got it? The Bible says, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. God, you're so good to us. God, I can't. You never said I could, but you can, and you always said you would. God, would you open up our spiritual eyes this morning? We would see the importance of friendship. Most of all, we would see Jesus as a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Would you increase? Would we decrease? We ask you to bless this time. Your Holy Spirit, have your way. We ask it with a grateful heart in Jesus' name. Amen. First thing I want you to see this morning is... The consequences of our friends. The consequences of our friends. That our friends will make us or break us. The Mayo Clinic says that friends have a tremendous consequence on our physical and mental health. Listen at this. According to the Mayo Clinic, people with strong positive friendships, quote, have a reduced risk of many significant health problems, including depression, high blood pressure and an unhealthy body mass index, BMI. They also say that friends can help us increase our sense of belonging and purpose. They can boost our happiness and lower our stress, increase our confidence, help us cope with trauma, help us avoid negative habits. I don't know about you, but friends sound like a pretty good deal to me. Well, the doctors can tell us about our our physical health and the consequence, but the Bible says that there is a great consequence that friendship has on our spiritual help, our spiritual health, our condition, you see, our friends either make us more like or less like Jesus. Our friends are not neutral. They either make us more like Jesus or less like him. Proverbs 27:17 says, "As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. When you hang out with sharp people that love the Lord, then it will sharpen you in your walk with the Lord. But on the flip side of that, 1 Corinthians 15 says, don't be deceived, for bad company corrupts good habits. If you hang out, I'll give you the South Arkansas translation. If you lie down with the dogs, you get up with the fleas. That made it a lot more plain than the New King James. Evil company corrupts good habits. If you hang out with the wrong crowd, you're going to get fleas. If you hang out with people who are self-centered and greedy and angry, prideful, your soul is going to become the same way. Your spiritual health will be influenced. On the other hand, if you have a friend that has a strong connection to God, that has the fruit of the Holy Spirit with love and joy and peace, then those things will flow into your life because of the Lord using your friend in your life. The, the Bible says this over and over and over again. It describes believers as members of one body. We're all a part of the body, of a bigger part that is growing. Or how about branches, Jesus said? We're on him, the true vine. See, we're all connected. God has created us for connection. He's created us for community. He's hardwired us for relationships. You may think, well, I'm just a lone ranger. I just kind of do my own thing and I keep to myself. There are no lone ranger Christians. I came to tell you this morning, even the lone ranger had Tonto. There's a picture. All right, there you go. There's a picture to prove it. Lone ranger had Tonto. You can't live for Jesus on your own. You need people beside you and around you to encourage you. Here's what friends do for us from Ecclesiastes. First of all, they give us success. They give us success. Verse 9 says, Two are better than one. Two are better than one, for they have a good reward for their toil. There are things that I can do with friends that I couldn't do apart from friends. There are our accomplishments that I've made in life because I had a wife that I couldn't have made if I didn't have a wife. A Life is better together. In the business world, they call it synergy, doing more together than you could do on your own. There's an African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far in life and have success, in God's eyes, go together. Two are better than one because they have a reward for their labor. When we work together There are things that we can do together that we couldn't do apart. Not only do friends give us success, they also give us support. They give us support. Look in verse 10. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. In Solomon's day, the roads weren't paved. There were rocks. There were holes you could fall into. There were many dangers along the way not least of which being you could trip. And if you were on your own, if you sprained your ankle or broke your leg, you would be on your own in the desert. You just think about the parable of the Good Samaritan and how dangerous those roads were. You needed someone else to help you when you fell. Well, the Bible says that if one person falls, the other person will be there to lift them up. You and I will all go through seasons of life when we will need friends that we'll need a circle of people around us supporting us and lifting us up when we're too weak to walk on our own. Whatever trial may come, whether it be a medical difficulty or a crisis in your marriage or your child is, is going as a prodigal, whatever it may be, you need friends that can lift you up, that can not only give you the success, but the support that you need in life. The Native American word for friend, one of them is, One who carries my sorrows on his back. One who carries my sorrows on his back. Sharing our burdens with our friends end up making them lighter. We need someone to come alongside of us and lift us up and to help us. Friends also give us stability, stability. Now think about in the road and you're spending the night out in the open, you would get rather cold in that day. And in verse 11, it says, If two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? If you sleep outside, it's going to get cold in certain parts of the world. You need a friend to help you keep warm. Now, this isn't a sexual metaphor. It's a metaphor for emotional stability and support. That your friends can come alongside you when your emotions are just all over the place... And they can steady you and give you emotional comfort when you're walking through very emotionally tender times. Allowing us to express our emotions and to process them. Giving us comfort. Not only do they give us stability, friends give us security. I already told you the roads were dangerous. Not only were there potholes that you could trip into, there were robbers that could come along and rob you if you were on your own. And in verse 12, it says that, And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. You need someone that in the military or or law enforcement, they say they've got my six. They've got my back. They help protect me from problems that I can't even see or visualize. Remember the good Samaritan, that man was traveling alone and he got robbed. A friend helps us when we don't even know we need help. Now, a threefold cord. When you wrap that cord together, it gets stronger. It's the same with a the stick. These are little bamboo sticks we use for s'mores at my house. And uh, one stick, just on our own, it's pretty easy to break. If we're on our own, we can be broken pretty easily by situations that come up, by people that don't want what's best for us. But when we put friends together, here's three of them, it's a little bit harder to break. It's a little bit harder to break. Rudyard Kipling, he wrote the Jungle Book. He said this For the strength of the pack is the wolf, and the strength of the wolf is the pack. For the strength of the pack is the wolf, and the wolf is the strength of the pack. You need the pack of people around you to help you. That's the consequence of our friends. Well, how can we choose friends? If friends are such a big deal, how can we choose them wisely? If they give us security and success and stability and security, there's a sign in Alaska on a muddy road that says, choose your rut carefully, you'll be in it for several hundred miles. Choose your friends carefully, you'll be with them for a long time. Well, ultimately, we can ask God to give us good friends. That's not a cop-out or a cliche. It's actually a promise that God gives us in James chapter 1, that if any of us lacks wisdom... Let, us, let him ask God who gives generously. If you and I don't know what friends we need to have or who they need to be, God said he'll give us the wisdom that we need. And he gives it not just a little bit, but generously to all without reproach. And it will be given to us. When we ask God for wisdom, he promises to give us that wisdom. Now, like Solomon, we can have all the wisdom in the world and not act on it. But God gives us the wisdom that we need. And and it's no cliche to say, God, would you show me who my friends need to be? I want to give you three levels of friendships and hopefully kind of clear up some things. Because like the word love, we use friendship in many different ways. We use friends to describe really close friends and people that we might just see in the grocery store. And this is really, in the Bible, these three levels that I'm going to give you of friendship. So there's three levels, three different kinds of friendship. Say, I thought there was just one. No, there's three. Hang on. Level one. This is someone that you and I are just associated with. I would call these acquaintances. These are just people that we know. Maybe we just know about them. We know them from a distance. They're our acquaintances. The Bible talks about these. Remember Jesus' parable with the vineyard owner. He addressed the laborer as a friend. Or the host in the parable spoke to his wedding guest who he didn't know and said, friend. And in the garden, Jesus addressed Judas, the trader, friend. This is a level of friendship that's the lowest level. This is just someone that you're associated with. You just know them. You don't know them intimately. There might be somebody that you go to Planet Fitness with or maybe you went to college with, you know a little bit, um, you know of them more than you actually know them. Does that make sense? This is a level one friend, acquaintances. Some of us have best friends that need to be acquaintances. Some of us have people in our inner circle. I was going to wait three points before I got on this. Some of us have friends that are so close to us, but really we just need to be acquainted with them. We don't need to allow them to be the loudest voice speaking into our life because they're not close with God and we shouldn't write them off and block them. But we need to have a healthy distance that they're not the ones that know all the intimate details of what we're going through because they might give us the wrong advice. They may not have our best interests at heart. We don't know their true motives. So some of us today need to figure out, Who's a bestie of mine that just needs to be an acquaintance? Level two, this is uh, someone that you're associated with and you have a certain level of allegiance to or a loyalty to. Uh, this would be like if, if my friend has a friend, they're a friend of mine, okay? I know somebody that knows somebody and I'm loyal to them. I'm gonna, I'm gonna help them out if I need to, but I don't really know them on an intimate level I have a certain commitment to them and I'm associated with them and they're a friend. You may have dozens of friends like this. You know them a little bit more than acquaintances. 2 Samuel 15 describes the king's friend or someone who serves as 1 Kings 4, 5 or 1 Chronicles 27, serves as a royal advisor. They're friends, but they're friends. We don't really know their motives. It could be for a political reason. It could be for a financial reason. Maybe a family reason, a, a family friend. I don't really know a lot about them, but they've been a friend of my family's for a long time. It's a little bit more intimate, but it's not your best friend. You can see where I'm going, okay? Level three. These are our close circles. This is the wolf pack. Not only am I associated with this friend, I have an allegiance and a loyalty to them, but it's because I love them. It's because I have an affection for them, and they have an affection For me, the greatest example in the Bible of this type of friendship is David and Jonathan. David and Jonathan. They had a loyalty to each other, but they had a deep friendship that was built on love. Paul had this relationship with the Philippian church, he was intimate with them, he knew them. These are the ones that you want to choose very, very wisely, these are the ones that that you can let your guard down before. You can be honest with the ones that that won't judge you. They won't think that you're cray cray. These are your besties, our inner circle. I'm glad somebody's listening. <laughs> These ones will have the most influence in your life. These ones that you, the ones that you really want to ask God, who needs to be in my inner circle here, and find somebody. Not that you're looking for somebody that's always going to help you. Maybe you need to help somebody else. But think about someone that can sharpen you just as you sharpen them. That that's going to help you. Well, that's how we can choose friends. How can we cultivate a good friendship? How can we cultivate a good friendship? How can you grow a friendship that you want to have? Well, it's very simple. Be a friend like a friend that you would want to have. I went out to find a friend and could not find one there. But I went out to be a friend and found friends everywhere. I went out to find a friend and could not find one there. But I went out to be a friend, I found friends everywhere. The Bible says that a man who wants to have friends must himself be friendly. If you want to have friends, don't be the type of person that just goes on and on and on about yourself. If you want to make friends quickly, then you need to be more interested in the other person than you are interested in making them interested in you. Does that make sense? I think it did. Uh, These are how friendships are built. This is not in your notes, but it's worth writing down. Time, time. Your best friends, what we're talking about here, your besties, these cannot be built overnight. You can't put it in the microwave. It's a crock pot type of friendship. It takes time. It takes time. You can forge a bond and feel like you're connected with someone, but in a moment, but it really takes a lot of time to build a friendship that reaps some really wonderful dividends. Also, troubles build friendships. When we go through adversity with friends, we open up and they see that we're real people and and we walk together through things that can grow a friendship. Trophies. Sometimes we accomplish things with a team and a, a common accomplishment that we did together builds our friendship. Transparency. Transparency. When we're honest and open with someone over time, through troubles the lows, through trophies, the highs, we can build friendships. Be dependable with your friends. Be the type of friend that you would want to have. The Bible teaches that the motivation of friendship is love. That the motivation for a true friendship is not what can I get from you, but what can I give to you. A true friend doesn't say what can I get from you. A true friend says What can I give? A fake friend is someone that wants something from you. But a true friend is someone who wants something for you. They want something for you. They want good things for your life. They're not just your friends when times are great and you have a lot of money to spend on them. When the Christmas gifts are not that great, your friends will still be there if they're real friends. Ronald Reagan, shortly after he became president, At that time, there was a divided government. There usually is one party in the executive branch, one party primarily controlling the legislative branch. And at that time, Ronald Reagan, a Republican, was having to build a a relationship with Tip O'Neill, who was the Democratic Speaker of the House. And they did not disagree. In fact, sometimes they sharply disagreed. But shortly after Reagan became president, Tip O'Neill reminded him that even though Reagan was a Republican, and O'Neill was a Democrat, he wanted to have a good working relationship between the two of them for the good of the country, to be a public servant. He reminded him that he was on good terms with Republicans in the House. He already had a good relationship with them. And even though they disagreed, O'Neill told Reagan that they were always friends after 5 o'clock and on weekends. Well, after that, Reagan would often pick up the phone when O'Neill would call and say this, Well, hello, Tip. Is it 6 o'clock yet? Is it six o'clock? We need friends that are going to be our friends 24 7, that are not just going to be there after five o'clock or on the weekends. The Bible says in Proverbs 17 17, a friend loves at all times. A friend loves at all times. The motivation of friendship is love. The manner of friendship is selflessness. Selflessness. A quick way to make friends is to be others focused. The Bible says in Philippians 2 and 4, Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but for the interests of other people. Let each of you take care of your own business, but be interested in what someone else is going through. Look out for the interests of other people. Look out not just to gossip about them, but to actually help them. The manner of our friendship, how we show that love, is through selflessness. Not thinking of yourself at all, but thinking of yourself less. We get calls all the time at church, and we try to help everybody we can. This is a very loving church. If you're a guest today, God's Truth, a very loving church. We have ladies that make casseroles, and we have all kinds of ministries that go on for hurting people. And whether we've known you for five minutes or you've been a member here 50 years, this is God's Truth. We will love you no matter what you're going through. We want to help you. And so it takes time to build a real friendship, but sometimes God gives us the grace we need to connect real fast. But we get calls sometimes, and, and I want to help everybody, and I don't want to judge anybody, but there's folks that are maybe on the periphery in church that, that maybe come on Christmas and Easter, and we don't know a lot about them. In fact, sometimes the FBI couldn't find them. And they go through a tough time, and of course we're there for them. We want to help them. And I don't know what they're going through. Maybe they couldn't come to church. I don't know. I'm not going to judge them. But there are some people that will not get involved and start building the friendships that happen outside of the room. You see, the church happens not just in rows, but in circles. And what happens about two hours before this hour, 945, hour 15, It's just as important as coming together to worship. You need both. You need a small group of people that surround you in, we call them small group classes. It could be Sunday school or Bible study class, but a place that not only you can study the Bible, and that's so important, but that you can have a genuine Christian community with people that will help you grow in your walk with God. It's not enough just to slip in five minutes before the service and to slip out and to say hi. We we would love to see you. We're glad you're here, but you need to be connected to a group. You need to be plugged into a community so that when those times come, and you need to call the church office, and, and you're walking through something, maybe a family member passed away, or you've got a loved one with a medical difficulty, that we can help you as a staff. We want to do that, but your small group, your class, can come alongside you, and they know you, and they can help you, and those relationships are already there. If you don't have a small group we want to help you. You can come back to the welcome center today. On your announcement sheet there's a little word named group. You can just text that word to that number right there 870-860-8896. It's on your announcement sheet. We'll help you get plugged in if you want to take that step. Well that is the the way the manner is selflessness. I want to leave you with this one thought. The model of friendship is Jesus. The model of friendship is Jesus. No matter how many wonderful friends that you and I have, at some point, human beings will let us down. At some point, there will be a time when people disappoint us. And we'll disappoint other people because we are sinful and we're in need of grace. I haven't always been the type of friend that I want to have. But there is a friend. There is a friend who never fails, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. When everybody else has walked out, he'll still be there. He says over and over, he will never leave us or forsake us. He is Jesus. John fifteen thirteen says, Greater love has no man than this, than he would lay down his life for his friends. See, Jesus said, I've called you friends to his disciples. And even when you and I were enemies of God, he still loved us like a friend. Even when we brought nothing to the table except rejecting him and sinning and going against his way, he still loved us like a friend. When we were dead in our trespasses and sins, the Bible says he made us alive in Christ. That Jesus went to the cross as our friend to do for us what we could never do on our own, to pay the price of sin in our place so that you and I could not be an enemy of God but could be a friend of God. God wants to be your friend this morning. He wants not just to know about you, he wants to know you, and he wants you to know him. He wants to be your friend through the power and presence of his Holy Spirit that will never leave you no matter what situation you face in life. When everybody lets you down, and the night seems so dark and silent, he will be there, and his whisper and his peace and his presence will be there, and he'll be a friend to you better than any friend you could ever have. Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share with a friend. We hope you'll tune back in next time to the Light for Living podcast.